pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is fantastic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast, a cold front report multicast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Garrett. You can find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. Joining me as always. My name is Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter at Real J-U-V-E-I-N-O. Jeff, it was probably, I understand we have a little unfinished business to get to since we missed a week of recording because of the election. I know you had media obligations with the election, so... For those of you that were wondering why we why we were ghosting that last week, that was why. Um, you know, it just didn't work out too well last week with our schedules. So it is what it is, but we're picking the ball back up and we're getting it rolling this week. And what an exciting game we're left to talk about with this 44 to 33 victory over the Seattle Seahawks. So what were your initial thoughts coming out of this game, giving your expectations? I, I don't know what your expectations were going into this game. So what, what were you feeling going into the game and how were you feeling coming out? Yeah, well, first of all, last week, the news cycle was, you know, it, it's a once every four year news cycle. It was very busy. And so the game to cap off the week on Sunday was a really nice treat. And I guess going into the game, you know, I've said this throughout the season that I don't mind the Bills being in shootouts with teams, no matter who it is. And they kind of reassured that for me this week, uh, you know, winning a game that was that 78 points were scored and a signature performance. Let's call it what it is, a signature performance in the regular season for the Bills. I mean, the defense, despite giving up 30 plus points four huge turnovers that set the offense up and a great day for Josh Allen, dare I say, mistake free, just a tremendous performance and exactly what Buffalo needed to get back on track. Yeah, this is you, you kind of alluded to it being a statement victory. Um, going to this game, I had actually predicted the Bills to lose. I was on the uh round table on hashtag sports YouTube channel last week, and I had predicted the Bills to lose 37 23. And then I predicted the same the same exact score on the um Saturday night tailgate with Mookie Hawkins and Mario Granano of hashtag sports. Um so I I wasn't really expecting even a victory. And my whole thought process was, was the two games where they had to play Super Bowl contenders, those games against the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs, I could not pragmatically predict that the Bills were going to win this football game, bad defense on the Seahawks team or not. What I didn't predict, however, or expect, I should say, was the resurgence of this Bills defense. And you touched on it, how they still allowed 33 points, they still allowed over 300 yards passing, but I think the biggest thing was getting a leg up in this football game, not only getting forcing those four turnovers, but forcing Seattle to have to be aggressive, forcing them to have to be one-dimensional. I understand they were missing both Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde coming into this football game, but I feel like the defense's ability to stop a one-dimensional attack for the Seattle Seahawks offense, and I understand they're primarily a passing attack, but not having a running game or not existing in that facet does affect your offense and your ability to flow throughout the course of a game. So the defense, I felt, you know, they stepped up big time. I understand statistically it's comparable to other performances, and we've harped on this defense for a while, and it's weird to come out of this game saying this is their best performance, but those those four turnovers, those five sacks, the six 16 quarterback hits, 
all those accumulating in, in the same performance, that's really what led to that Russell Wilson-led offense being just ultimately shut down in this game and making this game a, a, a very convincing win for the Bills. Yeah, and that's why we talk all the time about getting off to good starts and getting ahead in the game because it's hard to play from behind in the NFL no matter who you're playing. And the Bills' offense was just clicking. I mean, receivers were open for the entirety of the game. Allen had a great day, but Brian Dable made it a little easier on him as well because they were setting up screens and getting two or three linemen 10 yards downfield with the back behind them. They were able to throw the ball all over the Seahawks' secondary with ease, and they jumped on the Seahawks at the beginning of the game, and it made it really tough for Russell Wilson, as great as he is, to play from behind and be able to make up for that deficit. Yeah, that, that Bills defensive line was allowed to just pin their ears back and and, and rush. But I, we're, we're going to talk about the defense here in a minute. But let's I, I want to talk about the offense because you kind of alluded to Brian Dable having a solid day as a play caller. The Bills offense in totality having probably one of their best outputs this season with Allen eclipsing 400, yard pa 400 yards passing for just the second time in his career, the second time this season, eclipsing five, 300 yards passing for the fifth time this season. And, you know, John Brown and, and Stephon Diggs combining for what's been their best their best day as a duo, going over 200 yards receiving combined. Um, this was a solid day for the Bills offense, from front to back, from start to finish. I thought this was an excellent game plan by Brian Dable. And, and actually, one of the, I forget who, but one of the players in post-game press conferences is that had actually revealed that they had planned a, a balanced approach going into this game. And um, they really just rode with the passing game because of the hot hand and because of how well it was working for this offense. Because this offense, you, you, you touched on it on the onset. They didn't skip a beat at all in this game, it felt like. It felt like they were in control from the minute they stepped on the field, and it felt like they were going, they, you know, it, the game was in their hands, essentially. And this was this was a really bad defense, but this was also a game where I, I felt like this is a game where that that, uh, that we all needed to see because, like I said in, in my expectations of the Bills losing this game, it was because of how they looked against two other Super Bowl contenders. I understand the Seattle Seahawks are different are a different beast from both the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs, but it proved a lot to me that this that that, that this team has the potential to be a real contender that they have the ability to compete with high caliber high quality football teams such as the such as the Seattle Seahawks and you know that leaves me with a lot of optimism here in the second half of the season because the to, to, to say that they're going up a notch in quality of competition would be an under, understatement but beating the Seahawks is definitely a good start considering that some of the teams that you're going to have to wrap up the 2020 season with um, the, the Arizona Cardinals are no slouch, but the, not really teams of that variety, more so the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, teams like that. And um, you're going to need to have a solid second half of the season. And I think beating the Seahawks is definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, and it was right from the opening kickoff. Andre Roberts takes the opening kickoff of the game, runs it past midfield. Here we go. And then the Buffalo offense runs it right down their throats or throws it right down their throats, I should say. And I agree with you that I thought Brian Dable had a great game plan. And even if he was coming in thinking that they were going to have that balanced attack, you didn't need it after the way they were able to throw the ball. And we knew that Seattle had the 32nd ranked pass defense in the league coming into this game dead last. And they took advantage of that. This was a game where we thought we were going to see a lot of fireworks through the air on both sides of the ball. And while we did, it was a lot more 
evident on the Bills' side. And also, something important to note from this one, Russell Wilson turned the ball over four times. Josh Allen threw, turned it over zero. And I understand that the Bills kind of built that lead late in the game to where, you know, the, you know, when the Patriots, the Patriots, when the Seahawks scored that touchdown to make it, uh, was a 38 or 41-27, they're down, you know, they were down a bit and you think, okay, this game's over and they get those two scores. It's called that garbage time, whatever. But if Russell Wilson hadn't turned the ball over there late in the game, they could have gotten back into it. You never know. And so Allen not turning the ball over and not giving the Seattle offense short fields like Seattle did to Buffalo, I think was really key in this game because you give your defense a chance at least by, by making Seattle go the length of the field. I mean, what was it two of the four turnovers the Bills took over in the red zone? Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, the, the Trey White pick he brought down almost to the goal line. That's huge. You know, that's, that's huge, especially when your offense is having that good of a day. You're going to give them field position, starting field position in the red zone. It's a pretty tall task to ask of the Seattle defense. Well, really, th th this was the first time this season. Well, I can't really say it's the first time this season, but with the defense rolling at all cylinders like they were in this game, that's that that's what gives me the inclination to say this was really the first time this season that you've seen this Bills team play with play complementary football through all three phases of the game. The special teams has been there. The offense has been there. The defense just hasn't been there yet this season. And um, just like truth, truth to heart says in the comments, it was a 41-20 game with eight minutes left in the game. Our defense shut them down. We just gave up a lot of garbage time, yards, and points. Um, I tend to agree with that. And the defense did do an incredible job. And this that, that that's really what opened this game up for this offense to take the field. You know, they jumped out to a 17-point lead. And, you know, we talk every week about how it's so important to get to a two-possession lead in this league. And that's really where things can start off, especially for a team that's built like the Bills on the defensive side of the ball. But Josh Allen, you know, we've been talking about it here and there, just touching on it. So now I want to focus on it. Um, after a three, after his first, the first month of this season, uh, I, I was really on the train of him being an MVP candidate for, for the 2020 season. And the, the, the following three games, you didn't really see him playing to the, to the, um, to the quality that he was playing in the first month of the season. And then, you know, he comes out there against the Seattle Seahawks and he lights them up for over 80% completion percentage, having, um, over 400 yards, passing three rushing, three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Jeff, do you think this honestly puts Josh Allen's hat back in the MVP conversation? Well, he needs to keep doing it. He needs to keep doing it for the next however many weeks um, because he looked like an MVP candidate on Sunday. He looked like he did in September on Sunday. And now he just needs to keep that momentum going. I mean, I don't think – I wouldn't say Josh has had any horrible games this year. He's struggled at some points. He struggled – really struggled in the Kansas City game to move the ball. Same in the Tennessee game. But I wouldn't say it was – those games were disasters by any stretch of the imagination. He had just been playing so well those first four weeks that it was – you know, a step back was almost inevitable. And I don't know if he's a streaky player. I don't know if he's – had that much has that much experience under his belt to where we can define whether he is or not. But if he continues to play like this the rest of the way, then I, absolutely he's in the top three of the MVP voting. I mean, 400 yards is a tall task of a quarterback. I mean, how often does that happen in the league? That those are Breeze numbers, those are Rogers numbers, and those are Mahomes numbers. And now, could we begin saying that those are Josh Allen numbers? Uh, I, that's what I'm curious to know as well. Because 
you know, the, the start of the year was, okay, can we just get one performance like that from Josh Allen? And then, you know, that turned into a whole month of those performances for Josh Allen. And, you know, we were seeing that on a consistent basis at that point. You saw it for every single week for a month. And then it kind of tapered off against the, the, the Titans where you saw a little bit of a lack of execution as well against, as well as against the Chiefs where you saw it rainy. I think that was one thing in this game that impacted the Bills offense or at least benefited the Bills offense a lot more than all of us really gave it credit for was the fact that this was a 70 degree day a week into November in the city of Buffalo. That is incredible to have that kind of weather. I mean, it's still going on this week. It's, it was like 80 degrees yesterday and it was 75 today around noon. So it, it, it's not like this good weather has gone away just yet. But the point being, I feel like every single game the Bills have had to play in Buffalo has been crappy weather. It's always been rain and wind and all these all these things that affect the offense. That's not me excusing the Bills' inability to execute in those certain games where there were, where there was inclement weather, but I feel like it definitely helped the bills out in this game. The fact that they could just go out there and play their game. They didn't have to worry about any other exterior factors, but with Josh Allen in this game, I really feel like this was, if he's going to be in that MVP conversation come the end of the season, you know, like, like, like you said, if he can be consistent with it, this in the latter half of the season, like he was, in the first in the first quarter of the season, I should say, I think he's definitely got a shot at being in the conversation, or maybe even end up being the the, the MVP of the league if the Bills can make a run here and finish with thirteen or four, maybe even fourteen wins. That'd be that'd be insane. But if, if if that were the case, you certainly cannot rule it out. Um, you look at how he executed this game. You said it at the onset, a, a as borderline to a flawless game as you can get. Josh Allen played out of his mind in this game. And, you know, the point being, you know, we, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves with this MVP talk like we may have at the beginning of the season when he was really on a tear there. But the point is, is that Josh Allen played the way he was supposed to play in this game if the Bills were going to come away with a victory. And I think that is the thing not, not enough of us are talking about because this was a game that I was concerned with Josh Allen going out there and looking like a deer in the headlights. Um you know, given that he's playing against a, a, another MVP caliber quarterback, given the fact that he's playing, that this, this really was a huge game on the Bills' schedule. One that I was not expecting to be a victory by any means, but definitely a statement game, a game that says a lot about this football team to a lot of people. You know, it, it was really a prove-it performance for not only the Buffalo Bills in their entirety, but also the Bills' young quarterback, you know, finding that success that he had in the early stages of the season. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if the weather becomes a narrative, that's bad news for Buffalo. Um, I don't know that it is, but if you're calling Josh Allen a fair weather quarterback, that's bad news if you're playing in Buffalo because we know what the conditions are going to be come playoff time and, frankly, the majority of the weeks. Now, I don't think that that's what it is. I don't think that the weather, I don't think we can label Josh Allen as a fair weather quarterback because I know that he was dealing with the injury the last couple of weeks. And I think that that's probably more to blame for his uh, lack of production than the weather. But hey, we get a picture perfect day in Buffalo and Allen goes off. 
Is that going to be the narrative from now on? Is that Josh Allen only plays well in good weather? Because if so, that's not what you want of all cities to have that in. Buffalo is not the one. I'm not saying that that's what it is, but if that becomes a trend going forward, then you got to be apprehensive about that if you're the Bills. Yeah, um, I, I hope it's not. But at the same time, I really just hope they get a dome. They either get a dome or the retractable roof. I really don't care. I I'm sick of the Bills having these, these crappy weather games. You know, I understand you don't want them to be a fair weather quarterback and you don't want the weather to be a narrative. And Jason Morello in the comments tends to agree. I think it was Josh's injury and was never the weather. Let's talk about that for a second because we saw the uh, shoulder brace that he had been wearing since the Titans game come off in this game. And that's really where you saw him, you know, have that free mobility, have that free range of motion. And he was really able to execute do I think that played a factor into this game? Absolutely. I think, you know, any player going who – Jeff, did you ever have to wear a brace in any of the sports you played? No. no. Okay, well, I'll have you know, it, you know, it, you know the purpose of a brace. It's so that you cannot move the the, the uh, area that you hurt so that it, you don't further injure yourself. And it sucks. It is awful. I know as a lineman, you know, having to move your arms and having to have full extension of your arms – it was extremely incredibly difficult wearing a shoulder brace. And I understand, you know, it's not necessarily the same thing being a quarterback with your throwing with your right arm and having one on your left shoulder. I understand it might not be the exact same thing, but to some degree that will always uh, pr uh, prohibit some of your range of motion. So I could see how that'd be uncomfortable. I'm not going to sit here and say that Josh Allen's a completely different player with and without his shoulder brace, but you know, statistically speaking, I think we can we can start that argument. But um, no, I, I think it's time for the Bills to get a dome. I think when they get a new stadium, that's going to be a dome. I, I I'd be so excited if that. Yeah, happened. that's a whole other conversation. The the stadium thing. I love the Ralph. I mean, it's 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 glorious in my opinion. The whole situation being out in a rural area. And with the, you know, the tailgating scene and everything, I think it's fine the way it is. However, if you have a quarterback, your franchise quarterback who can't throw the ball well in snow, that becomes a problem. Now, the Jets game, obviously, it was the wind that mm -hmm. was the main problem for Allen and for both teams. You know, you just couldn't throw the ball down the field. It just wasn't plausible because of the wind. And if you have a dome that is taken away, obviously. But, you know, we're talking about right now, we're talking about this season and we're in Bill stadium this season, either way. And I really, I don't know until Josh Allen comes out and he has a performance like this and kind of a crappy weather game. I understand your game plans different and everything, but until that happens, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want that to become a narrative narrative. If you're a bills fan, because it's, it's, it's bad news. I mean, maybe if you're playing in Los Angeles, it's okay that you only play well in bad weather, but not in Buffalo in January, but regardless, you know, you, you said it perfectly when you said that Allen did what he needed to do against this team. And I think that's what he's done for the majority of the season. And let me tell you what, this Bills team had better be damn glad that Allen's progressed as much from last year to this as he has because defense has been bad compared to last year. I mean, the Bills were winning games last year because of their defense. That's indisputable. And this year, they're winning games because of their quarterback and because of the playmakers they have on offense, which was kind of a complete 180 that we didn't really see coming. However, I think that the Seahawks game was a step forward for the Bills defense with the four turnovers, regardless of how many yards they gave up, regardless of how many points they give up. They gave up some big plays, but you got to remember you're playing one of the best players in the league in Russell Wilson, who has a ton of playmakers, and you forced four turnovers. 
not only did you pick Russell Wilson off twice, you made him fumble twice. And that's a huge step in the right direction for a defense that if they can get right, as we like to say, and Allen continues to play how he has, the potential for the Bills is endless. However, you need both of those things to happen on any given week if you're going to beat teams like the Chiefs, like the Steelers, and like the Titans. You know, this this was the best scoring offense in the league coming into this game, I believe, with the Seattle Seahawks. And to see this defense perform the way they did, to see them step up the way they did, I thought both schematically and in execution, it was an excellent game on the Bills' defensive side of the ball. It was a great, you know, Leslie Frazier did an incredible job with his game plan for this game. And I really like a lot of the things they were doing with fronts. We actually had former Seattle Seahawks running back Robert Turbin on the uh, Saturday Night Tailgate with Mookie Hawkins and Mario Granada and myself. And one of the things that Rob had highlighted for us that the Seattle Seahawks offense struggles with is double A gap looks. And, you know, when I say double A gap looks, the first thought to the Bill, to Bill's Mafia and their, their, their thought process is when the Bills bring Matt Milano and Tremaine Emmons both into the A gap with their regular defensive line with Quinton, uh, with Quinton Jefferson and Oliver both in three technique looks, you know, they didn't run, they haven't ran that look all that much this season. They haven't ran it nearly as much as they did in the second half of the last season. Um, you've seen it. It's just a handful of times, but instead of running a look that you have seen that the bills have put on film plenty of times, what they were doing was they were bringing both their D tackles in at one technique in the a gaps and they were lining up their defensive ends and four eyes. And they brought um, Tremaine Edmonds down onto the edge of the line of scrimmage and had AJ Klein in the middle. And my goodness, AJ Klein, I've got a plate of crow to eat this week. AJ Klein just decided to have his career performance. One of those forced fumbles was coming from a sack uh, received by AJ Klein. And AJ Klein, man, he went off in this game. I think we definitely found out what the strength of AJ Klein as a football player is in this game because without a doubt, this is definitely the best performance that you've seen from AJ Klein in a Bills uniform. You know, the, the bar wasn't really high going into the game, but this guy was an animal. He was moving forward. He was he was you know executing rather than just reacting. You know, other times it looked like his feet were really slow. It looked like his reads were really slow. And in this game, you know, when he was moving forward. He was doing a great job. He was he was often tasked, like I had mentioned, in the middle of the field, sometimes spying Russell Wilson. And when the Bills were manufacturing pressure there, throughout they, they were man, manufacturing manufacturing, excuse me, pressure throughout the entirety of the game in situations. And I thought they did an incredible job of that. They they picked their chances in the correct at the correct times. Russell Wilson had scored two touchdowns off of blitzes, but it was working throughout the duration of the game more times than not. That's really what led to the four turnovers is the pressure that this Bills defense was manufacturing and getting on Russell Wilson. Um, I thought it was an incredible job for the front seven of the Bills defense. Yeah, Klein had a couple really nice blitzes, and I think the linebacking core as a whole played really well in this one. Another player who I've kind of harped on some this year that he needs to improve, and he did this week, that's Tremaine Edmonds. He had himself a really nice game. I've talked on the in the past on this show about Edmonds not filling gaps or when he does fill gaps, not making tackles. And he did both of those things against the Seahawks. And I think he was good in pass coverage too. And, you know, we've said Edmonds being your anchor in the middle of that defense, is that right for him? Or should he be moved to outside linebacker? You know, I think the way he played against the Seahawks, he showed that he can play that middle linebacker position. He can be your field general in the middle of your defense. And hopefully 
he's past that injury that had been lingering in the beginning of the season. Hopefully he's done with that. And now he can continue to move forward because you need him. You need him. And I think the linebacking core really made a difference, um, especially forcing those turnovers. Linebackers play such a huge role um, in coverage. They can, as, as, as you and I both know, having, having played the game uh, ourselves, linebackers can really help out your secondary. And I think that they did for the bills against the Seahawks. And in this defense specifically, they are such a big factor in both coverage and in um, run defense. And this is really the first game this season that you and I can both sit here and, and agree that the linebackers definitely made a difference in this game. And you touched on Tremaine Edmonds, and I could not, you know, I cannot mention AJ Klein without mentioning the improvement from Tremaine Edmonds in this game. Um, I am of the belief that was that was really the difference of this Bills defense was the performance of Tremaine Evans. Obviously, A.J. Klein played out of his mind in that in, the, in this game, and it definitely helped the Bills out. Um, but having that anchor in the middle of their field in the middle of the field for what felt like the first time this season, because this game it felt like Tremaine Edmonds played the way we had expected him to play coming into this year. And the one thing about this Bills regime from Brian Dable to Sean McDermott to Leslie Frazier is they'll never use a a, a, um, a lapse in execution or, or a, yeah a lapse in execution as an, and use an injury as an excuse for for that lapse in execution by their players, but they will tell you when they're definitively healthy. You know we've kind of beaten around the bush with Tremaine for the last two three weeks, ever since you know the waters have kind of cleared with that shoulder injury, you know. That that was another player in this game. You saw the shoulder brace come off, and he you, you saw evidently you saw Tremaine Edmonds go off. You know that that was it was a great game for Tremaine Edmonds. He was decisive in his reads. He was decisive in his steps. He looked quiet to, or whoa, wow. <laughs> he looked quick. He looked fast. He was playing fast and physical throughout this game, and that's such a big thing for this Bills defense to have an effective or an effective middle linebacker. And Tremaine Edmonds, he had a standout game. I feel like this was the comeback performance that he needed to get back on track and hopefully have a solid latter half of the season. Yeah, and I think that this defensive performance, it was kind of the perfect storm for their confidence and for them getting back on track because, no, they didn't come out and shut down Russell Wilson completely. He still threw the ball a lot. You know, I mean, they scored 34 points, regardless of when they got them, regardless of how they got them. They were over 30 and they were over 20. If you want to consider anything after that garbage one, they still scored 20 points. Um, but they got the four turnovers. And I think that that's something you can really rally around and build off of and say, okay, even if we're giving up these points, like we made to more good offenses, you're playing another great offense in Arizona this coming week. We're giving up yards. We can still force those timely turnovers because they did it to beat the Patriots. A timely turnover is what won that Patriots game. And then you get four more this week to set up your offense. And if this identity of the bills defense becomes forcing timely turnovers, Hey, that's not a bad thing to have to go with your with your high-powered offense. Well, you know, the one thing, because they have had an opportunistic defense throughout the duration of Sean McDermott's tenure. They have. It's just they haven't had the opportunistic offense to pair with that. And we saw on Sunday how lethal that is when you have your defense causing turnovers and you have a high-powered offense to take the field that, you know, this this offense is going to get their points regardless of how many possessions they have in a game. So if you're giving them more possessions and you're taking away possessions from the other team, that 
is a losing recipe for almost any team that has to cross the Bills this season, for almost any team that has to play anybody this season. Tur- getting turnovers and forcing turnovers or even turning the ball over is such a huge factor in football. And when you do it and when turnovers come in bunches, that's how you see such conv- convincing performances like you saw this past week. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about before um, we, we, we get into studs and duds, how did you feel Trey White played in this game? That's a tough question. I mean, he had the pick, um, but I think that you can only do so much against DK Metcalf. The deep ball to Metcalf trade kind of had him blanketed. It was just a perfect ball, but I feel like that's kind of a trend that we've been saying this year. Oh, Trey got beat, but it was a perfect ball. Should he be getting beat no matter what? I mean, I mean, it, can that be an excuse if it keeps happening for us? I will say this. Um, I feel like you and I kind of have a different vibe about Trey White coming out of this game, and I like it because I felt like he played he played really good against DK Metcalf. You know, I'm extremely high on DK Metcalf. This is a guy that I, you know, coming out of the draft, I I did not want the Bills to even sniff at DK Metcalf. I wanted it all over all the way, but you know, in the second round, I was definitely saying, you know, the Bills should definitely draft DK Metcalf. They didn't, and they traded up and drafted Cody Ford. But that's beside the point. Um, DK Metcalf is a, an extraordinary talent with his size and speed, and you know he, he he's learned how to run routes crisper than than I had expected him to coming out of coming out of college. I think DK Metcalf is going to be by the end of next year. He's going to be one of the three best wide receivers in football, almost consensusly. Um, you know the. Uh, 60 yards, 63 yards, I believe he had on Trey White in coverage. First of all, first of all, I was surprised to see Trey White shadowing him in this game because Trey normally doesn't really shadow guys. He normally doesn't blanket guys. And to see him on DK Metcalf almost exclusively in this game from start to finish, that was that, that was a statement to me, I felt like. And to, given the fact that he only had 63 yards receiving, obviously the big PI penalty, that had led to the to the deep connection with DK and ultimately a, a Seattle Seahawks touchdown. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of ticky tacky. Some people will call that P- DPI. Some people won't. Um, but it is what it is. The fact that he contained DK Metcalf to what he had contained him to, I felt that was very promising. And I, I wouldn't not necessarily promising. Maybe that isn't the right word for it. But I was OK with that performance. Um, you know, Trey for Trey undercut a route and he forced the turnover. He forced the issue later in the game and he made an aggressive play that went his way. Um, you saw, the, you saw him get beat on a deep ball by a guy who's just, I mean, how many guys have been able to cover DK Metcalf this year on those deep balls? Um, DK Metcalf is an extraordinary talent. He's incredible with his size and speed. And I, I was grateful that the bills were only were able to keep him to 63 yards in this game. Um, not 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 for my fantasy team. I did end up winning anyways. But DK, I I th- I felt the Bills did a good job against DK Metcalf. I don't think you could have asked for much more in this game for the Bills secondary going up against DK Metcalf. Well, and I think that the secondary was also aided by the pressure that the Bills were able to get on the quarterback. Um, and also, like I said, the linebackers being effective both in run stopping and in coverage. I think that helped the safeties a lot, too. I thought that, you know, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, I thought they both had good games. But I think that they were aided by the front seven. And that's something that the Bills have been missing so far this season is we've talked about it every single week. 
they've had no pass rush at all. I thought that they stepped up more this week and we talked about the improved linebacker play, but for Trey White, I mean, he's going to be, we'll see it. We'll see how he does against Deandre Hopkins this upcoming week. I mean, the Cardinals have a great receiving course. So, you know, you mentioned that they had him blanket Metcalf and follow him around the field. I don't know. I was wrong about that. Juan Castillo in the comments, correct me. It was only about 25 routes. So I apologize about that. Um, 25 routes and he only gave up 63 yards on four catches. So, okay. So assuming they do the same thing this week, then we'll see how he does against those big play, big play uh, Cardinals receivers. That's, that's why I'm saying this week was such a stepping stone. The Seahawks game. It, it showed you what the bills can be. If both offense and defense are playing well on the same week and they hadn't had that so far this year, they didn't even really have that last year because the bills offense was so consistently blah all of last season. They were so consistently mediocre while the defense was playing well. And so this might be the first time in two seasons, correct me if I'm wrong, in the last two seasons, this was the first time that the Bills offense and defense had significantly good days on the same week. I I, I sat right here on this podcast and I have harped this team of the fact that they cannot have a complete performance to save their lives. And it just, it's been discouraging, you know, a whole season and a half essentially a football of that variety where, you know, you, you, you have the talent on paper, you have the capabilities on paper to be the team that, that, that you're designed to be and you just aren't. And maybe that wasn't the case as much last year as it was the first eight games this year, but that's definitely discouraging to see that and to watch the culmination of this, of this team, to watch them, you know, learn as the season goes on, to watch them grow on the defensive side of the ball to the point where they stop. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say stop, but they they halt the Seahawks in the first half in order to give the offense a, a, a manageable lead to the point where you can just start sending pressure because you know they're just going to be throwing themselves out of the hole for the remainder of the game. Um, you, you saw a complete performance for this Bills team. And with that, let's get into studs and duds. Jeff, give me one of your studs for this week's performance. My first stud's Tremaine Edmonds, and I think that he earned it for me because I've been very critical of him this year and that I've thought that up to this game, I didn't think he got any better from last year. Um, he had a really nice game. I've already said it t- tonight. Um, he filled the holes. He made some nice tackles on Seattle running backs, and I thought that the linebacking core as a whole did a good job in this game. So Trey Edmonds is my is my first stud. Um, You know, I – I hate it when you and I are both consensus on things. Uh, I feel like it's boring. I thought you were going to say A.J. Klein. <laughs> what are you talking about? You think you're going to say A.J. Klein? Come on. I, I like I, – okay, I'm just kidding. That I'm just poking fun. Um, you said a defensive player, so I'll start with an offensive player. I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs. Stefan Diggs, you know, I was looking at his stats today, and I would actually had a post on the Colfort Report, and, you know – Apologies that I'm one of the most unprepared podcasters that you will find, and I don't have it lined up in my various pictures and whatnot. But he has matched his reception total that he had all of 2019 in just nine games with the Bills. And he has about 300 yards less receiving, three less touchdowns, and three less targets in just nine games. Um, This is a guy who has completely changed this Bills offense. You know, you see it with the ability of John Brown being able to just go off for 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 a handful of catches and 99 yards. And then, you know, Gabe Davis, oh, here's his four receptions for 70 yards. You know, 
the addition of Stefan Diggs trickles down through the whole Bills offense and the ability to have adequate production from all of your other receivers, from all of your other uh, playmakers, not to mention, you know, the guy also leads the league in receptions and receiving yards. Stefan Diggs has been one of the best, not just receivers in the AFC, not just receivers in the AFC East, one of the best receivers in the entire NFL, the first nine games of his Buffalo Bills career. Um, and, you know, nine games into this trade, it looks like the Bills took the money and ran. And, you know, I couldn't be happier. Stephon Diggs on a weekly basis is a factor for this Bills offense. So with that, um, do you do you have a second stud or you roll with one? Um, we'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. Okay. We'll so that. Do, you, do you have a dud? Do you, do you have a dud? Um, I mean, I have one dud play. That was the deep ball to David Moore or whoever. Somebody blew that coverage. But oh, that was Teron Johnson. Who, Teron yeah, Johnson, he even sprinted. In... They, I don't know if they were in zone on that or if that was just his man, but he was frantically sprinting toward the end zone because the ball was in the air and he was nowhere near the receiver. But, um, but yeah. It, it was just... Wow, that was. I do want to hear your dud though, if you have one. Um, I don't uh, see. That's the thing is, I feel really bad because I feel like I'm the most negative person on your screen on more more weeks than not, and I don't really have a dud other than Teron Johnson and that blown coverage. Someone someone mentioned it in the comments too, and you know that's what it reminded. It was Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf was always clutch. Mentioned reminded me of things in the comments. Um. Teron Johnson, you know, he's always good for one blown coverage a game. Maybe maybe you can enter the rest of the games this season with some optimism, given that Daryl Worley is probably going to be active going forward. Um, yeah, well, I did, I did want to say one more thing before uh, we start talking about the Arizona game. So I had said I said this, um, maybe the third Bills drive, and the Fo- one of the Fox announcers said it like five minutes after I did. His name escapes me, and for that I apologize, but – the way the Bills were attacking the Seattle defense looked like a Tom Brady, New England Patriots offense. Yes, they could throw the ball downfield if they wanted to, but they were picking them apart with short passes to a bunch of different receivers, and they had screens set up, and it was just like they could not stop Buffalo. The Seattle defense just couldn't stop them. It was one thing after the other of receivers open and Allen not really having to throw, make that tough of throws because guys are open and it's not just Diggs, It's not just Brown. It's Beasley. It's your tight ends. And Stefan Diggs, he's always there when you need him to be. He's shown us that this season, but they really spread the ball around a lot, especially in the first half. And it really reminded me of a Brady led Patriots offense of just no matter what looks the defense is throwing at you, they just, they just can't stop you. And uh, what a beautiful thing that was if you're a Bills fan. Um, see, I'm really glad you brought this up because I feel like in every one of these games where we're talking about Josh Allen having a really good performance, um, I feel like we're also in the same time talking about him distributing the football throughout the game very well, very efficiently. And that has been – a consistent theme in these good games for the Bills passing attack where Josh Allen is finding six, seven, eight, nine different receivers through the game. And that's a lot for a defense to have to account for, let alone when, you, when you're reeling as it is with a defense such as the Seattle Seahawks. Um, that, that, that's extremely difficult. But Josh Allen not really being too picky who he's throwing the ball to, 
opening up the offense. He, because that that was one thing that I was partially afraid of getting a guy like Stephon Diggs was Josh Allen just solely focusing on Stephon Diggs, forcing the ball to him in situations where he shouldn't and not taking the easy plays when he should. And to see him grow, don't, don't get me wrong, I feel like if you got Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs in 2018, that's the player you're, you'd be watching on a weekly basis is a guy trying to force the ball to his best player every single play. But now since he's matured as a football player, as he's, as he's matured as a quarterback, you're seeing him go through his progressions. You're seeing him look to guys like Isaiah McKenzie for the first touchdown of the game. You, you, you see him just distributing the ball, finding Tyler Croft for another red zone, red zone touchdown in this game. He's not afraid to, to, to share the sugar on this offense. He's not afraid to. Um, we've, we've seen, I feel like a conversation going into this season was certainly, you know, there's so many mouths to feed who was going to really go hungry. And really the, the, the running game is what's gone hungry for the majority of the season, aside from that New England performance. Um, but it's been with success more times than not. This Bills passing offense is efficient. This Bills passing offense is potent. And I think both of those things can be can be attributed to the, the addition of Stephon Diggs. But like you mentioned, Jeff, it's not just Diggs. It's not just Beasley. It's not just uh, John Brown. It's the accumulation of all of those players, the culmination of all of those players, all being on the same team, on the same field at the same time, and leaving so many options for this Bills quarterback to make plays on a weekly basis. So it, it's it's definitely yeah, and they're going to need him. Oh, do I have a lag? A little bit, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. You can go ahead. But anyways, no. But anyways, I was saying they're going to need him this coming week against the Cardinals because it's a damn good offense that you're playing against. Yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely going to need to keep all of your options available this week against the Cardinals. Um, it's not just a really good offense; it's also a really good defense. But let's let let's start with that offense, um, the Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury led offense for the Arizona Cardinals, first in the league in yards. And let's talk about Kyler Murray for a second. Kyler Murray, who also had his hat in that MVP conversation through the first month of the season. You know, he's gone through his, his fair, shares, fair share of ups and downs throughout this year. And, you know, they, the Cardinals got them got them their own number one wide receiver for their young quarterback to develop in DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, similar to Stephon Diggs, there's little to no drop off from his play from his former team to his new team. And he has seamlessly walked into the building and gelled with this young quarterback. Um just just from a broad perspective, Jeff, what is it really are you looking for this Bills team to do to potentially stop this Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins connection? And you also have to you also have to factor in Kyler Murray's mobility as he's one of the most incredible athletes at the quarterback position that you'll find throughout the league. Yeah, well, I think the Bills are going to have to do something similar to what they did this week against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Um, we know about Kyler Murray's playmaking ability. Um, how good he is when he gets out into space, and he's a dual-threat quarterback, obviously. However, we've talked tonight about how the Bills linebacking core stepped up and really helped out their secondary, and so the defensive line. They got they were finally getting some pressure on the quarterback, and I think it really helped the defense as a unit. So you're going to have to do that again. You're going to need a big game out of your front seven if your secondary is going to be able to contain those Arizona receivers. You can't rely on 
you know, you're giving Kyler Murray time to throw the ball. You can't rely on your safeties and your corners to be able to shut them down for the whole game. If or or you know, this offense who is scoring 29 points a game, over 29 points a game, that's really impressive. And as you said, they're first in the league in yards. So I think that it starts with your front seven if you're stopping their aerial attack. Yeah. And man, I feel like a broken record whenever I bring this up. But last week's just another example of it throughout the Sean McDermott tenure here in Buffalo. Mobile quarterbacks do not play well against this defense. They never have. They never do. And I'm not betting on them really ever having a woe performance against the Bills defense. I mean, that, obviously, it will be different if, if the personnel were worse. But this Bills defense, I don't think you're going to see a drop-off performance against a Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury-led um, football team against this Bills defense. I, I know that might be crazy to say, considering this is the best offense statistically in the league right now. Putting up 29 points per game is insane. You know, the amount I think they're putting up 422 yards per game, which is insane. That's first in the league. You know, this is statistically the best offense in the NFL. And I wouldn't be as confident saying that they could contain an offense like this if I had not seen it the week before. Um, you can say what you will about Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray differing as football players. The one thing they both have in common is that they're athletic and they're not afraid and not, not, um, they're not, they're good at throwing the ball from out of the pocket and while on the move. Both of those players are good at that. Both, both of those players have more than one primary target that they can throw the ball to. Last week, you saw Russell Wilson, who has David Moore, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. And now in this game, you're seeing you're going up against four wide receivers with DeAndre Hawkins, Andy Isabella, um, Christian Kirk, and you know Larry Fitzgerald, who's still miraculously playing football at the, the, the stage of his career. But if you look at how this Arizona Cardinals offense is built, it's very similar to the, the, the Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks-led offense. And does that play into the Bills' favor? I believe so, slightly. I believe it also plays into the Bills' favor that they tend to have their best games against mobile quarterbacks. Just something about Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, when they face mobile quarterbacks, you know, a lot of it has to do with Sean McDermott really pr- having to practice against mobile quarterbacks throughout his whole coaching career, you know, with, with Donovan McNabb and then Cam Newton. And, you know, now he has Josh Allen in practice every single day. I believe he also had Michael Vick there for a time in Philly as well. Um, But the point being, Sean McDermott has plenty of experience practicing against mobile quarterbacks. It almost feels like, you know, that's where that that's his comfort zone as a defensive coordinator or at, or, or or as a defensive coach. So I'm actually kind of, I I, I'm on a, I'm almost borderline overly confident going into this game for this bills defense facing up against Kyler Murray and Deandre Hopkins and company. I disagree with you. I think it's going to be really hard to put, to put that together two weeks in a row after how well you played against Russell Wilson. I mean, it's Russell freaking Wilson, one of the best players in the league. Might be the MVP of the league right now until the Bills got to him then, of course. But but no. But um, I think it's going to be really difficult to do two weeks in a row and until the Bills show me that they can do that two weeks in a row. This Bills defense that has struggled against almost everybody, I'm just not going to believe it. I'm just not going to believe that you're going to go down there on a West Coast trip and you're the week after Arizona, so they have their bye week two weeks ago. They come out, they lose in a shootout to the Dolphins. They're hurting right now. They're fired up. 
and they're at home. The Bills got to fly into Sky Harbor and play in Glendale. And I don't know. I don't know. I just I'm very apprehensive because it's it's tough. It's going to be tough to do that two weeks in a row. And maybe the Bills can, but I'm not going to bank on this defense, this defense that we saw this year, shutting down two offenses like this two weeks in a row. Now, will Josh Allen be able to overcome it? Maybe, but I'm not going to bank on the Bills shutting down the Arizona offense. I understand. I understand the skepticism. I get it. I get it. I'm not going to put you on the burner for not banking on this Bills defense because I feel like every single time they have a, they don't have a halfway decent performance necessarily. Just like I remember it was the Raiders game. They had a ha- they had a good half. The second half was a good half. And I said, this is it. And then they come out there and lay an egg against the Titans. And it's just, Maybe I'm looking for some sort of light that this defense is going to some way, shape, or form refine the form that they had of the past. But you know, last week it, w- it was an example of that. Um, you're right; it's going to be difficult for this defense to string together two successful games right in a row um, against two elite offenses, two top three offenses in this league. Um, this is a huge game, and Justin Canellis mentions it in the comments. Hopkins shred in the last in last year in the playoff game in the second half when we laid off and I cannot I I I have to mention it Tredavious White lining up against DeAndre Hopkins in this game that first half of that playoff game I remember very vividly Trey White held DeAndre Hopkins I believe almost I believe catchless I believe catchless and borderline yardless and then in the second half DeAndre Hopkins came right back and he had a day yeah, well, he had a half. It wasn't it wasn't a huge day, but it was a really good half of football for DeAndre Hopkins. That is a matchup that I cannot wait to see, because I believe this is either the third or fourth time that Trey White would have met, would be matched up with DeAndre Hopkins in his career, and it is always a popcorn fest when these two match up. It is a you know it's a dogfight, and I'm going to be interested to see. If next week I'm I'm going to be saying something similar to the fact that oh well Trey just got beat on a really good ball in this situation by DeAndre Hopkins, you know part of me feels like it's a little personal for 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 Trey White going up against DeAndre Hopkins. He's really the only elite receiver that he's had to face off with with any kind of consistency in his career. You know that he, he's only seen DK DK Metcalf as a baby in this league compared to DeAndre Hopkins. But DeAndre Hopkins is definitely one of the, I, I believe, one of the two best wide receivers in football, not just right, right now, but over the past three or four years, he's been one of the two or three best wide receivers in football. And, you know, I'm quite intrigued to not only see what this Bills defense does to try and not only contain DeAndre Hopkins, but the other receiving threats. But I'm intrigued to see how Trey White performs against a player that we've seen him struggle with against in the struggle against in the past, but also have success with in the past. Yeah. Like I said, I think that their ability to slow down the Arizona passing game starts with your linebackers and it starts with your ability to put pressure on Murray. I mean, obviously he can beat you with his legs, but make him don't let him stand in the pocket and throw the ball over you all over your defense, because I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. And I think that, the one word that I want to see from the Bills defense after this Seattle game is continuity. You mentioned the the second half in the game before they played Tennessee had some positive things and they came out and obviously it didn't go the way they wanted. We need continuity. 
if we're going to start talking about this Bills defense in a different light than we have all year and that what's wrong. If we're going to be saying, here's what's getting better instead of here's what's wrong, they need to come out and do it again this week. Um, You know, this the, the, the I want to switch gear. Well, one thing about that Cardinals offensive line is there there is room for opportunity. There will be plenty of opportunities for this deal, Bills defensive line to have success. So I understand the reservations of the Bills defense that you have of whether or not they'll be able to string together two successful performances against two elite offenses. That is more than reasonable. But this offensive line isn't necessarily one of the better ones in football. You know, they have a lot of just guys on that uh, uh, in that unit between Humphreys, Pugh, Cole, Murray, and Beecham. So there will be opportunities for this Bills defensive line to make plays. Um, like I had said earlier, the, the the biggest thing for this Bills defense or the Bills defensive line, and that uh, uh, as a matter of fact, um, is gap integrity is staying in your rush lanes, is maintaining your responsibility because that is really where these mobile quarterbacks beat football teams, is where people overplay overplay the football, over-pursue the football, um, try and do more than their job entails, and they get out of their gap. They, they abandon their responsibility trying to fulfill someone else's and that is that's bread and butter. That's what that's what these mobile quarterbacks and these offenses ran by mobile quarterbacks want you to do. They want you to get undisciplined. Um, shifting gears to their defense, what it, what part of their defense? What, what what is the first thing you notice about this Cardinals defense? Which is also, I mean, they're they're not top tier, but they're middle of the pack of sorts in both in all categories. Um, what what are your initial thoughts on that? We're going up against this Cardinals defense. Um, I mean, I'd noticed Jordan Phillips right away. He's going to be played playing inspired this week. I'm not afraid of Jordan Phillips. I don't, I wouldn't say that he's going to be your X factor for the Cardinals defense, but he's definitely going to be played inspired after, you know, the bills didn't bring him back. And I noticed the secondary, I mean, Patrick Peterson has, has for a long time been a great player in this league. I like Buda Baker, you know, Dre uh, Kirkpatrick and, They've got some good players back there, and I think it's going to be tougher sledding for Josh Allen this week than it was the week before. I mean, obviously, when you're playing the 32nd ranked pass defense like you did in the Seahawks, that's going to be about as easy as it gets, but it's going to be tougher. It's going to be tougher this week, but um, that's not to say that Allen can't do it and can't come out and have another big game, but you know, those those guys in the back, like Patrick Peterson is a tremendous player. Their safeties are good. They're ball hawks. And I think that Allen's going to be have to be careful where he throws the ball this week, or else he might be looking at some turnovers. The one thing this this Arizona defense has in common, I feel like, with the Seahawks, is their um, their athleticism in the second level with their linebackers. Uh, you talk about players like Devondre Campbell, Jordan Hicks, and of course Isaiah Simmons. Those are three animals in the middle of that defense that are fast, athletic. Isaiah Simmons, oh my gosh, that kid's going to be incredible. He's going to be one of the best players in football in time in matters time in a matter of time. Um and you touched on Drake Kirkpat or Drake Kirkpatrick who I believe is questionable coming into this game. Um Buda Baker, who's been one of the best one of the best uh defensive backs in football throughout the last season and a half and also Patrick Peterson who continues to do his thing. Um Facing up against this defense, they're athletic. They really are. And athleticism 
you know, oftentimes you have to give up in size what you get with athleticism. And there are times where I feel like that plays to the benefit of the Bills offense and that plays against the, the strengths of the Bills offense. This is an occasion where I believe, oh, I hate, I hate doing it. I hate, I hate getting on the podcast saying you need to run the ball because I feel like we say it every single week. I feel like we say it no matter what the matchup is. But this is a game where I would I, I said going into the Seattle game, you need to have a balanced approach if you were going to beat the Seahawks. But I did not expect the Seahawks to be just sliced through like, like a hot knife going through butter last week by Josh Allen in this passing attack. But I feel like with the athleticism on that defense for the Arizona Cardinals in comparison to the Seahawks, I feel like with those solid players on the back end or on the back end with, with, with uh, Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson, you need to have a, a, a balanced approach, especially if they get Drake Kirkpatrick back. Drake Kirkpatrick, he, he, he's okay. He's a moderate player in this league. I wouldn't say he was a successful first-round pick for the um, – for the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously, since, since he's on a new team. But it, you'll have your opportunities in this game. If, if Drake Kirkpatrick is out of this game and they're down to their what, – what, what is their fourth or fifth corner with – um, wow, goodness. They, they have a lot of injuries. I will say that. They do have a lot of injuries in their secondary. Um, but the, you, you will have opportunities with players like Cole Beasley and John Brown in this game if Drake Kirkpatrick were to miss this game. But ultimately, I believe – you need to run the football with Moss and Motor in this football game. I think this is going to be a game, not really, I wouldn't say to the effect of a, um, a Patriots-type game plan, but I would say a more balanced approach. I'm expecting maybe nine, nine, nine to 11 carries for each of those running backs. And if they do that, I, I think this will be a successful day for this Bills offense as they play – as they play, you know, they have one, they have the best play action quarterback in football with Josh Allen statistically in every category. So I think that this Bills offense, you know, there there are opportunities for success in this game. And I believe that that hinges with the with a solid rushing approach. Yeah, and Zach Moss got uh, an increased number of carries this past week, which is encouraging because it means that the Bills are trusting both Moss and Singletary to, you know, have a pretty heavy workload and it keeps both of them fresh as well. And they can both do it out of the backfield. I mean, both Moss and Singletary have shown that they can catch passes and make plays in open space. And they've also both run hard. You know, I, I mean, obviously I, we've said that before, but they both are always going forward at the end of the run. And they're always factors because when you have a passing game, that's so good, like the bills do your running backs can really add to it that much. I mean, I said that, I thought the Bills looked like a New England style, your your classic New England style offense on Sunday where they were throwing the ball short and picking it apart. And we know how New England always has a host of running backs, a running back by committee. If you'll say that they can get the ball to out of the backfield, they can run screens to them. They can run out routes out of the backfield. And I think that if that's something the Bills offense can do, not saying that you need to become the old school Patriots, but if that's something that you can do, you become really dangerous week in and week out. Um, but I really, I really, really, really just think this game's going to come down to if the Bills defense can continue to play like it did against the Seahawks and get those turnovers. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think if they can force a young quarterback into making mistakes, any anything comparable to what they did to Russell Wilson last week, um, if they continue to manufacture pressure with uh, very creative blitz looks, situational blitz looks, I don't know, Jeff. 
I don't know. That, that Seahawks game really could be. I, I understand they're coming. They, they were going to that game with two consecutive wins, and they're on three right now. But that Seahawks game really could be the start of something for this Bills defense, the start of that something that I've been talking about since probably about the second or third week. And that would be a huge revelation for this Bills defense, considering, you know, I was really – I understand we didn't record, record a pod last week, but I was extremely harsh on this team for not making a move at the deadline. And to have a defensive resurgence like that in the second half of the year – second half of the year, I mean, it, it starts with these first two games. You did it against the Seahawks. Um, I'm hopeful to see I, – I, I'm, I'm expecting to see something of that variety against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Um, it, it would be huge for this team. It would be huge for confidence in the locker room. It would be huge for confidence in the personnel of the most expensive defensive line in football. I mean, you can say what you will about their lack of pressure with sending forward, but if they have found the answer to those defensive woes, then, hey, I'm all for it. Um, I don't want to get out of here without talking about both linebacker Darren Lee and cornerback Daryl Worley, who the Bills signed last week. They did not activate for last week's game. Um uh, do you have any uh, general thoughts about both of these players? I, I'm more of a fan of the Worley edition. I think that is going to make a, a bigger difference, but I am on record saying that Darren Lee could revitalize his career with the Buffalo Bills after sputtering out of New York and getting traded to the Chiefs and then you know, be, being uh, relegated to being a special teams contributor for the Super Bowl champion Chiefs last year. I think Darren Lee has one hell of an opportunity to take some snaps away from AJ Klein in the absence of Matt Milano while he while he heals up on IR, um, and I feel like Daryl Worley has a very comparable uh, um, chance uh, taking over for Teron Johnson in the nickel cornerback role. Now, wh- what are your general thoughts about both of these players before we get out of here? I think Daryl Worley can come in and eat up some snaps, and that's a big thing on your secondary, keeping those guys fresh. And also, it, apart from Trey White your corners and your nickels, you don't really have any go-to guys. You don't have guys who are say, this is our CB2. And I've talked about this before with, you know, rotating guys, cornerback by committee, whatever, whatever. I think he's a guy who can come in and play snaps and he doesn't need to set the world on fire. Obviously. I mean, he's, he's a mid season acquisition, but if he can come in and play some quality snaps, it makes your secondary that much better. And it, yeah, and it I, rubs off on everybody else. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the addition of Daryl Worley, could be huge. Um, I hope to see Darren Lee a lot more than. Um, uh, oh, I, I first off, we gotta get him active, and you know, there's there's a chance that this Darren Lee could addition could just be for um, quality depth at this point in the season. Um, but I feel like if he gets a fair opportunity in this Bills defense, then he is he, he has a very fair chance of revitalizing his career and potentially earning another contract when he leaves Buffalo. Um, with that, let's get into our predictions for this matchup. The Bills heading on to the West Coast for the second time this season, the first time in a month. Jeff, who's winning this game? What's the score? What's the reasoning? What do you got? Well, I might have foreshadowed my pick a little bit, but I really think that I don't trust the Buffalo defense to come out back-to-back weeks and play that well against these quality offenses. I mean, if you're coming out and playing a lesser quality offense this week, then maybe I'd feel differently. And maybe I think that you can use the Seattle game as some momentum, but unless the bills defense comes out and proves me wrong, 
unless they come out and they get more timely turnovers and they can slow down Kyler Murray and the great weapons that he has. I just don't feel confident saying the Buffalo is going to win this game. Not until the Bills defense shows me that it can be what it was last year and that it can do that back to back weeks. I think Josh Allen will have a fine game. I think that he'll continue to produce. Um, he's in the dome, so weather's not going to be a factor. But I think that Kyler Murray is going to be too much, and I think that we're going to learn a lot about what the Buffalo defense is, whether it plays plays well or whether it doesn't. The Cardinals win this game, thirty-one to twenty-three. Wow, wow, we are Jeff. You and, and I, I can stay do... with a straight face too. So, what are you making fun of me already? Because I started. Well, hey, no, smiling. no, no. I'm just. I, <laughs> I I wouldn't fault you for picking Buffalo. I wouldn't fault anybody for picking Buffalo. But I feel like the Seahawks game was perfect. It could not have gone better for the Bills. I mean, they were just unstoppable on offense. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. It, it almost seems like that was that was too much happiness for Bills fans, and so it's going to come back down to earth this week. Damn it. Come on. Not the no, don't I'm say a realist, that. my friend. No, that's not realist. That's defeatist. Come on. Don't no, come on. You I mean that they're gonna play that well two weeks in a go two weeks in a row to we're gonna beat these two teams. I'm going to say they are. I'm going mm-hmm. to say they are, and I'm I am as confident in the Bills performing in this game as you are as they want that they won't perform. That that's how confident I am. You know, I like like I said, I am borderline overconfident going into this game, and it's not necessarily because of the Seahawks. I've been confident in their matchup with the Arizona Cardinals before the Seahawks. I was thinking, oh Jesus, get the Seahawks out of the way so we can just play the Cardinals. And I understand that might be that might be overlooking them a little bit, but I'm not on the football team and I can do things like that. But the point is with the Arizona Cardinals. You think Kyler Murray is going to be too much for the Bills defense, whereas I think the Bills defense is going to be too much for Kyler Murray simply in the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, this defense is in its comfort zone when playing against mobile quarterbacks, when playing against athletic quarterbacks who like to move, who like to evade, who like to improvise. That's really where this defense is in its comfort zone. And, you know, I really feel like this is an opportunity for this Bills defense to force Kyler Murray into a lot of mental mistakes for these two veteran safeties to really play a lot of mind games at the line of scrimmage and pre-snap with a young quarterback. It's really an opportunity for this Bills defense. You know, like you mentioned, they have yet to have consecutive solid performances this season. And this would be the first opportunity they've had all year to have a a solid consecutive performance. Um, I really, I really think this is the game it happens. I'm not scared of that Cardinals defense at all. I'm not going to sit here and say they're flukes. They're a good defense. They're just not as good as a lot of people are kicking them up to be. I feel like if Drake Kirkpatrick isn't in this game, that whole defense is different. Um, Buda Baker is one solid playmaker, but he is just one playmaker. I saw one playmaker. Uh, I, I understand it's different. Buda Baker is 10 times the player Jamal Adams is in coverage, but I saw one playmaker – on the Seattle Seahawks defense, be they be just turned into nothing last week, and it was it was um, irrelevant on that side of the ball almost, aside from his one sack. Um, but I'm well, I, I'm I'm going to say the Bills are going to win this game for a score. I I don't know. I'm going to say 36-27 Bills. That's what that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. So so, so we, we so we, we we need to have some differences here because yeah. I need to catch up at some point. 
And, you know, I don't know. I, I forget what the points are right now. I believe I'm still seven or eight, seven, seven or six points out of the lead or out of tie. Um, and we'll get into these other divisional games here in just a second. But uh, go, go ahead. What, what were you saying? So what I'm looking for this week is another good performance by the Bills defense. But why do I think it's not going to happen? Because we've it's week 10. It's it's week 10. And we've watched them. We've watched this defense play for over half the season now. And they haven't done that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this game's higher scoring. Um, if it was a four, 38 to 31, that wouldn't surprise me because I think that Josh Allen is very well going to go down there and play well again. But I just don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. Um, I hope that I'm wrong. And I think that if the Buffalo defense comes out and shows us this week that that's who it was in the Seattle game, we got a, we got a long way to go this season. We could be playing into the end of January, but I'm not confident that that's going to happen. And until it does, I, I'm just, I just don't think that the Buffalo defense is going to shut down playmakers like this two weeks. I said this. 20 minutes ago, I think Arizona's probably pissed. They just Dolphins aren't a bad team, but they just lost to the Dolphins. That's a game you probably pencil in as a W if you're Arizona, especially at home. And now you lose that game, and here we are. And I don't know. We'll see. The Bills, this is their last game before their bye week, so that's another thing to think about. Um, you obviously want to win going into your bye. It makes it that much sweeter. But West Coast trip, um, the team you're playing against is motivated. You got Jordan Phillips on the other side of the ball. He's going to play motivated. Not that he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be a big difference maker, but he's played well. It just doesn't seem like an ideal game for the Bills, especially how well they played against the Seahawks. But you we'll know, that, that, that that's one thing I can't wait to come away from this game saying is, is when everybody shuts up about Jordan Phillips. I'm not saying you're not one of those people, Jeff. I'm not saying you're one of those people. I, and if I, if I gave the, if I implied that you were, I'm sorry, but you're not. Jordan Phillips was not a huge playmaker for this team. And, you know, the one week the Bills run defense, I, oh, geez, I, I think it was the, the week of the Titans game, or not the Titans, the uh, Chiefs game. And Jordan Phillips had a big game, I believe, on Sunday Night Football or the week before or something. It was the same weekend it lined up. And it was the first time Jordan Phillips had shown up to play all season after getting a $10 million contract or making $10 million per season in Arizona. It was the first time he showed up all season just so happened to be on national TV when everyone's watching and people are like, oh, look, look, we should have signed Jordan Phillips. No, no, we should not have signed Jordan Phillips to $10 million per season. The guy has not been a difference maker this season at all for that defense. And if this team were paying $10 million to Jordan Phillips, I'd be more pissed that they were doing that than I was all of last year when they were paying Starla Tuule $11 million. And if it, if you recall our, our, our conversations from the first season of the Overtime Podcast, you know that I am not a big fan, or I wasn't a big fan of Starla Tuule. Obviously, I, I, I've changed my tune given how this defense looks without him. But Jordan Phillips is not the missing piece on this defense. And I think regardless of what the Bills do successfully on the offensive side of the ball, I think that is the one narrative we're going to walk away from this game with is that, oh, man, maybe the, maybe the Bills made the right decision about Jordan Phillips. Maybe, maybe that was the right move. I think, I think Mongo um, is, go, is going to have a handful of Jordan Phillips this week, and I don't think, I don't think it's going to be close. I think Mongo has all the advantage in this game. All I'm saying is that Jordan Phillips is going to be pissed off. I don't think he's that good of a player. I'm not saying that he's going to do much, but he's going to be pissed off. Yeah, and also, I, I and also to everybody in the comments saying that we're the Bills are going to beat uh, the Cardinals because Miami beat them. The transitive property doesn't apply to the NFL. We under, we know that. Ooh, transitive any, property. Any given Sunday. 
Any given Sunday, Jeff. Well, you know, we'll see. We have two more if games. The to out, if the Bills come out and shut down Kyler Murray, please grill me next week. Oh, I have no problem grilling it because then I'd get I'd, uh, I'd have see. some sort of I'd ha- I'd gain some sort of ground in our picks too. So I it's not like I'm going to go into the game rooting for the Bills to get crushed because that's just what I want us to be right. It's all right. It's all right. I was in, I was in your shoes last week going to the Seahawks. So ho- hopefully you feel just as wrong next week as I do right now. But you know we have two more games we have to get into real quick. The Los Angeles Chargers visiting the Miami Dolphins. Jeff, who do you got as the Chargers play the Dolphins? Uh, this is, this is an interesting game. I mean, it's, it's Herbert versus Tua. It's that's good TV, right? It's good TV. Um, I think that the chargers, they just lose games at the end. They, they just, for some reason, but I think they're going to pull it out this week. Um, the dolphins are a good team. They're a good team. Uh, Tua played well. I, I disagreed with the decision to bench Fitzpatrick in favor of Tua simply because I didn't think Fitzpatrick had done anything to deserve that. Um, but I think the chargers pull one out this week in a close game, say, 24-23. I'm taking the Dolphins winning at 31-27. I, I, I really want to see the Chargers win this game. But like like you said, they always find a way to lose these close contests. And one contest that I don't think is going to be close, I want to know what you're thinking about it, Baltimore Ravens visiting the New England Patriots. Who you got? What's the score? I have the Ravens. Obviously, I mean, the Patriots showed us last night what they were. Um, you know, But the Jets – they played well. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel weird saying that, but their receivers are solid. Joe Fac- Flacco played all right, but the more than anything, the Patriots showed us last night that they're just they're not a contender. They're not even a pretender. Um, they're limping the three and five. They're going to get beat up bad by Lamar Jackson, who, despite he's been struggling, I think that he'll have no problem getting by. The Ravens will win this game, thirty-three to sixteen. Okay. All right. You and I, you and I are pretty close with our scores. We've got some prices right going on here. I got the, I got the Ravens winning 38 to 13. Um, same points that you just made. That's one of the worst round defenses in football. And I think, I think Lamar Jackson's going to regain his footing against, you know, the New England Patriots. And I have no problem watching it. You know, I'll sit here and dispute Lamar Jackson all day long, but I think he's going to tear up this Patriots defense and uh, we'll see. You uh, you have the Chargers winning, I have the Dolphins winning, and we both have the Ravens blowing out the Patriots. So we'll see how this week goes out. Um, we'll be right here again live on the Cold Front Report Facebook page, YouTube YouTube page, and Twitter account uh, on the usual time, 8 p.m. next Tuesday. Jeff, before we get out of here, tell the people where they can find you and what they have to look forward to when they do. You can find me on Twitter at real J U V E I N O. Like it says below my head right here. Um, we got lots of cool stuff um, from St. Bonaventure athletics, college basketball starting up soon. We got it's high school sports playoff time in Western New York. If you're into that and um, a lot of cool stuff, hopefully coming uh, from my way. So I would appreciate your guys follow. And thank you everybody for, for watching tonight. This is a great show. Oh, yeah. It's, all, it's always fun. Um, be sure to go follow the Colt Front Report on Twitter, Instagram, and like our fa- our, our Facebook page. That's at Colt Front Report on Twitter. Colt Front Report underscore Bills News on Instagram. Colt Front Report colon Buffalo Bills News on Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we also have a brand new state-of-the-art webpage that is going to be debuting Friday morning. It Guys, 
I, I don't like, I don't like talking about, uh, about my own things. I really don't. I, I, I'm going to be a critic far more than I am going to be going to praise things, but this webpage, it's some next level stuff. It's some stuff that you guys aren't going to want to miss out on. So it's launching Friday morning around 9 a.m. or so, I believe. Um, regardless, be sure to check out the Cold Front Report web or, or uh, webpage. That's, at, that's coldfrontreport.com for all of the blogs and articles. And Jeff and I will start producing our articles. John Sparacco, Brandon Koch, uh, Brandon Sturmer. Plenty of content to be found on the Cold Front Report webpage that is going to be rebuilt and and going to be finished. I, I, I've had, I've seen it a couple times. It's, it's some crazy stuff, guys. It's some next level stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, and if you'd like to find me on Twitter, it's at CFR Clayton. And on Instagram, it's the same exact handle at CFR C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. Thank you all for tuning in, listening, watching. If you'd like to find, uh, um, be sure to tune in next week, 8 PM, same place, same time. Be sure to tune in to the pressure front podcast on Thursday night at 8.30 now instead of 9.30. 8.30, Jamie Turner Montgomery goes live with Lorenzo Alexander. I'll be going live on uh, on Saturday with Mario Granada and Mookie Hawkins for the Saturday night tailgate. Who knows who Mookie's bringing in, but there's plenty of content to be found here on the Cold Front Report, so be sure to stay tuned and follow us on all pages. And hey, thank you all for tuning in, and this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Front Report.